It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And here we are kicking off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Pleased to have our weekly guest, John McClain, a Hall of Fame voter, Hall of Fame guy. Been covering the NFL for a very long time. And, John, we do appreciate your time as always. Football season's right around the corner. The Raiders had their vets report today. First actual practice is not till tomorrow. But when you started covering the NFL, what did it mean from a player's point of view and the interactions that you had with players when this time of year rolled around when they were reporting for camp? First of all, Q, when I started covering the NFL, there were six preseason games and training camp lasted two months. Rookies would come in for a week. Then the veterans would come in. They didn't have good facilities. Therefore, they didn't work out all year round. A lot of players had jobs in the summer. So when they came in immediately, they would do full contact with pads and they'd do three-hour practices twice a day. And uh, then, of course, have meetings tonight like they do and then curfew. And so back then it just went on and on and on. I watched the baseball all-star game at training camp. Last night I watched the all-star game and the Texans don't begin training camp till the 29th. And so it's changed considerably from back then. And today players work out all year round. They may take a couple of weeks off on vacation. They don't have to have off-season jobs unless they want them, and they're preparing for post-careers. And they're always in such good shape. Teams don't feel it necessary to beat them up. Now you can be in shells for two or three days before you put on pads. Most teams don't have full contract, full contact because they're worried about injuries and the salary cap. So it's changed considerably. And one reason is because players understand their careers can last longer. They can make more money. You don't have to start looking beyond your career as you approach age 30. And uh, so it's much, it's much better for the teams the way it is now. Because back then, everybody went on the road for camp. cost a lot of money to do that. And now most of them are home or close to home. How quickly do you think a coaching staff kind of understands what they have or who they have as far as a team while they're in training camp? Like, how, how quickly does it take them to realize, that, okay, this is a really good team, or yeah, this is not that great of a team? Well, Josh McDaniels knew from the OTAs and seeing players behind the scenes seeing them when they're working out, seeing them in meetings. He had an idea of what he had. And he and and Ziegler want to see the guys when they get to camp, when you can hit, when the linemen can hit. One of the things that coaches and media like the most is when offensive and defensive linemen go down into a corner of the practice field at camp and they do one-on-one drills. And you can watch the pass rushers and you can watch the pass protectors. And I've always thought that was one of the most fun things to watch during training camp. I've always got a kick out of that. Last year, the Texans didn't let us go down the corners. Now they're going to let us, and I can't wait to do it. So the coaches are just like the media and the fans. They see what they like in off-season program. Okay, what's next? Training camp. Then what's next? Maybe joint practices or then the preseason games start and they start to separate the players, especially the young ones and the new ones. But they're no different than us. They think they know what they have, but they always want to see the guys in camp because that starts to separate the pretenders to the rosters and the, and the 
and the contenders and the pretenders to be on that finally final 53-man roster. Now that training camp is here and everyone's starting to get ramped up, and again, I mentioned on Thursday is the first day of actual practice for the Raiders, how quickly do you think some of these veterans like Sue, who's still out there available, Jimmy G's agent uh, has been given permission to seek a trade, how long do you think till, till some of these transactions happen? Well, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be traded until people are sure he's 100% on his surgically repaired right shoulders. Not the way he didn't have the strongest arm in the world anyway. And so I think they should hang on him to the trade deadline, let him play some in preseason, show that he can still throw the ball the way he used to, and then wait till quarterbacks go down. Like most teams don't have two quarterbacks. If you do, you're not going to have two for long because that just doesn't happen anymore. And um, I think that um, you'll see moves made. And there's a lot of veterans still out there looking for contracts. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to take around a million dollars and they're looking for opportunities. And uh, you'll see teams start to cut people that first week because there'll be guys who aren't in shape or they don't know the playbook, or they do something to screw up, and they'll get rid of them. That transaction wire will start to get big, and then every team will be making moves. And the Raiders won't be any different than anybody else, even though they've got a veteran team coming off a playoff season with high hopes for this season with a new coach and GM. But it's their misfortune to be playing in the best division (laughs) in the NFL. Right, absolutely. No doubt about that. Talking to the Hall of Famer right now, John McClain here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. And you've been covering the Texans for a very long time. DeAndre Hopkins, he was at one point in his career pretty much the best wide receiver in the league as far as I was concerned. But he was that alpha dog guy in that locker room. Now the Raiders have Devontae Adams. What what does that alpha dog guy bring to the locker room for the wide receivers and more importantly just the team in general? Confidence. Confidence that when you need a guy to catch the ball at that position – more than likely he's going to catch it. But the Raiders are blessed. They got multiple stars at the skill positions. Between Hunter Renfro and his new contract, Darren Waller is playing for a new contract. You know, he's a great – he's as good as any tight end at catching the ball. And they've got a good enough running game. So those are all luxuries for Derek Carr. And having Adams there, drawing double teams most of the time, is going to benefit those other players. And uh, they almost should pay part of his salary because he's not going to get single coverage. He's going to get double coverage on every play. So that frees up the passing game for the, for the the other players. So also Adams, from what I understand Q, is a good guy who helps other players. That's always important with veterans, but man, when you need a play on third down third and 12, and you got a guy like Adams there knowing he can get a third and 13 catch for first down. It gives confidence, not just to Derek Carr, but it'll give it to Josh McDaniels calling the plays. Mm-hmm. It'll give confidence to the teammates as well. And you can't beat that when you're playing in such a great division in which so many games could be so close decided by one play. I'm glad you brought up Josh McDaniels because I was going to ask you about him and his offensive play calling, and he's been considered for a very long time one of the better offensive play callers in the league. How much more confidence do you think he could kind of put in Derek Carr to uh, sling that ball down the field a little bit more than he's even done? And he's done a pretty good job of that. Well, first of all, he should be recognized as a good play caller because he had the greatest quarterback (laughs) in history for most of his career. 
great coaches generally have great quarterbacks. You look at the greatest coaches in NFL history, and they all were blessed with great quarterbacks. Now he's got a real good quarterback in Derek Carr. This is going to be a much better test of McDaniel's ability as a play caller, but he's he has more talent on offense than most of his teams at New England have. You know, he's got really good receivers. How many really good receivers did they have there? You know, they drafted them. They cut them. They right. didn't pan out. Rock, of course, the tight end was maybe, was not maybe, one of the greatest receiving tight ends in history. But it with, with three deep, with dangerous receivers, and I'm counting Darren Waller, uh, he didn't have that kind of depth there. Right. And, he's, and he, now he may not have the kind of running game. New England always put that emphasis on the run, and I'm sure he will there as well. But this is a really good test for him because it's the first time he's been out from under the Bill Belichick umbrella just since that terrible period he had at Denver, I think, in 2010 when he wasn't ready to be a head coach. Talking right now with John McClain, all things Raiders, all things NFL here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And the offensive line has been something that everyone has talked about. I've talked about the offensive line for a long time. Do you think with Derek Carr's ability to get the ball out of his hand pretty quickly and the way that Josh McDaniels can call plays, that they can help that offensive line that may struggle a little early on in the season? Absolutely. Absolutely, Q, because you have to do that. And the running game, you know, the offensive line, first and foremost, has got to be able to run block. You have to have a running game. It helps Carr. It helps the defense by keeping the defense on the bench longer. And and it just a good running game, starting with the line, benefits everything on both sides of the ball and even special teams. And so if you're young or you've had changes because of free agency, you may need a little more time. You know what? That's what the preseason's for. They don't like to play a lot of the starters in preseason, but if they're new and you're trying to create something special, you may have to play them a little more than you wanted to. John, I know that you've been to the Hall of Fame. You've been to the celebrations many times. You're in the Hall of Fame. I mean, just everything that goes along with it, Hall of Fame voter. Uh, for any of Raider Nation that's going to be making the trip to Canton to see Cliff Branch get enshrined, what are some events that you would recommend that they take part of? I would. You're going on the busiest weekend of the year. You have to go to the parade. Canton's got about 90,000, 95,000 people. It swells to 250,000 hotel rooms all the way to Cleveland, Akron, Amish country. They're all taken up. And I think the crowd makes it much more exciting. I've been in the summer. I've been in the winter. I never get tired of going there. Make sure whatever time you plan, if you're going to plan two hours, be prepared for three. Make sure you go in the room where all the videos are, and you can watch the greatest players in history. You push a button, you watch Cliff Branch's greatest plays. Then you're going to want to watch Fred Bolitnikoff. Then you're going to want to watch others who played there, Kenny Stabler. There's so many great players from the Raiders on both sides of the ball, and they're right there. And I never get tired of watching Earl Campbell, Jim Brown, Walter Payton, O.J. Simpson, and receivers too, but to me the running backs are special because they're running over people and around them and on breakaways. And it's just a great place to go and walk around, be prepared to buy souvenirs. It ain't going to be cheap, <laughs> no. but you may never go again. Right. And so be prepared to spend some money, but it's the kind of thing you're not going to go and put on a shelf. You're going to go back and you're going to wear it for the rest of your life. 
No doubt about it. I agree 100% with that. I cannot wait to get to Canton, Ohio and just be a part of the festivities and obviously uh, the massive covers that we will have for the upcoming event. Before I let you go, John, I did want to ask you real quick, um, what are we hearing? What are you hearing about Deshaun Watson and his upcoming suspension? Two games, eight games? That's a big gap. What, what, what's your gut feeling telling you? I think it's preposterous, all the reports from the media about what they're hearing it's going to be. I tweeted last week, breaking, I'm clueless. I have no <laughs> idea. I feel inadequate, but I'm going to make a prediction. It could be 2, 4, 6, 8, 9, 11, 13 of the season, and I'm going to be – good chance I'm going to be right on one of them. I don't want to hear anybody that's been all over the place and say, I had that. Right. You either have one number – and you get it right, you get it wrong. But it's amazing how many people are proclaiming to have inside information. When the fact is, no matter what Judge Robinson rules, it can be appealed to Roger Goodell. And this isn't going to be over for a while. That's what I'm thinking as well, John. Good stuff. Well, uh, what are you working on these days? I know you're doing a lot of tweeting. Uh, I know you got some soccer stuff that you're working on. What you got going on these days? Yeah, my radio station, Sports Radio 610. Sports Radio 610 in Houston, the Texans flagship. I'm on it five days a week. You can get it on radio.com. I also do, uh, I'm going to start doing some writing for the website, sportsradio610.com, when we get to training camp on uh, the 29th. Nice. I like it. Well, you just can never slow down, John, right? You got to keep on working no matter what. Retired or not, keep on working. I respect that. I love it. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time this afternoon. As always, I definitely appreciate you. Q, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, as always. There he goes right there, John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. He just can't stop working. I say it all the time. Uh, when it comes to some time in my life when maybe I have a chance to retire, I'm not going to either. Uh, the day I retire is the day they put some, some dirt on me. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just as simple as that, but always thankful for John McClain and the time that he gives us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Before we take a break, let's go on out to the phone line. Talk to our guy, 502 Raider D. He's been patiently waiting. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Just kidding. All right, so there you go. <laughs> Sorry, 502 Raider D. I know I was trying to get to you quick, fast, and in a hurry, but I know you patiently waited, so I apologize for that. Feel free to hit us back at 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Who would you give a contract extension to, Darren Waller, Denzel Perriman, both or neither? That's the question we've been asking. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome, Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. 3.20 is the time. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll have Mike K, lead reporter for Pro Football Network. He's going to talk all things Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates is a safety in Cincinnati who uh, currently is a franchise tag holder who has not signed his franchise tag. Uh, so right now, even though the Cincinnati Bengals will be reporting to training camp sooner rather than later, uh, he will not get fined because he's not under contract. Who knows how that's going to shake out? Will he play for Cincinnati? Will he sign that deal? He cannot get a long-term deal anytime soon. Can't get a long-term deal till after the season because he didn't get it done uh, in a, by a certain time frame, which was last Friday. That time frame came and went, and so he's uh, he's on the hook for one year, about 12 point something million dollars, uh, if in fact he does sign it. So 
Uh, many have thought that he's going to get traded out of Cincinnati, but Mike K put out a piece today that basically let it be known that that's not as easy as it sounds. So we'll talk to Mike coming up at 3.30 about that. But we've had a lot of good feedback on the Salmon Ash text line. It's really been blowing up today. I do appreciate all the text messages that we received at 69187, keyword R&R. Also received a lot of tweets. Uh, definitely appreciate that. At R&R, 920 AM, at your boy Q254, at Demond underscore the boss. Uh, just when Wendy said, love hearing from John McClain. Nice analysis on how our new coaches and players can improve the team. Also, good ideas on where to go on Hall of Fame weekend. I know just when Wendy will be in Canton, Ohio, and I mentioned at the earlier at the top of the show that our uh, credentials have been approved, so uh, can't wait to be broadcasting our shows live from the Hall of Fame little radio row that they have right behind Tom Benson Stadium. And it's so funny, the very first time I ever went to the Hall of Fame when I was in Central Texas, that's when uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, who was a notorious Raider killer, was going into the Hall of Fame, and Jerry Jones went into the Hall of Fame, and there was someone else that went into the Hall of Fame as well. It was, a, it was like two or three guys that went, those two guys for sure, but there was another guy I remember that went that is the reason why our radio station went. Uh, all those guys were representing Texas. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson is actually from uh, Waco, Texas, so uh, went to University High School. So that was really the main reason we went, but then Jerry Jones representing the Cowboys, uh, we went. And I'll tell you, that was such a great experience. Once I came back from that, I was like, man, this cannot be the last time that I go to the Hall of Fame. Was so blessed last year to be able to go and see Coach Flores get inducted into the Hall of Fame, see Charles Woodson, and I questioned it. I remember asking him, like, hey, What's the next Raider that's going to go into the Hall of Fame? Who's the next Raider that's going to go into the Hall of Fame? And I really questioned it and thought, you know what? We're probably not going to come back here for a very long time, only to find out the very next year we're back celebrating Cliff Branch. And who knows? There's a chance that maybe in 2023 we'll be celebrating Amy Trask. We'll be celebrating Lester Hayes. Both, neither, one of them. Who knows? But we might actually make a trip back in 2023, depending on if one of those or both of those get into the Hall of Fame. So very excited about our upcoming trip. But we also want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Uh, again, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Passionate Raider, I know you're uh, holding on. Hold on one second. Let me get to a couple texts, and I'll get right to you. Uh, Mailman Raider said, Q, personally, I give both an extension, talking about Darren Waller and Denzel Perryman, but on incentive deals based on how many games they played or along those lines. If Ziggs and McDaniel really have that Patriot Way energy, then both are getting traded because they both may be in that trade uh, in that trade them a year too early rather than a year too late category based on age and health. That's from the Mailman Raider. And I don't think you'll see either one of those guys uh, get traded anytime soon. Uh, not not this year for sure, right? I mean, I've said that multiple times. Darren Waller is a guy that they they definitely need to, to give a shot to see what that three-headed monster looks like. You know, between Waller, Adams, and Renfro, I mean, that is a lethal – uh, triplet, right? A, a three-headed monster, right? Pick your poison. That that's that could be lethal for opposing defenses. So uh, that's not going to happen right now. I don't know what's going to happen with their contract extensions. I believe that Waller is going to get something sooner rather than later. Don't know about Perryman. I, I really don't. Just because I think, as many people have pointed out, you got to kind of wait to see exactly how he fits in the scheme. But as far as just being a leader and a hell of a player, there's no doubt about that. I just kind of interested to see what his role looks like with the silver and black in this new Patrick Graham-led defense. Let's go out to the phone lines and talk to our guy, uh, Passionate Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Man, good afternoon, gentlemen. Yeah, man, Q, I, I like to talk about that old line, man, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm with keeping it the way it was towards the end of last year because they did, they did start to gel good the way they were. It wasn't meant to be the way that it was last year. We all know that. And they worked through it because I remember games one and two, I called in on the morning tailgate, and I ripped James, the center, because he was fumbling the first two games. After that second game, 
if you go back and look, James never had another bad game again. That guy buckled it in. The, the other guys had to step in. Stuff happened. But for to keep it the way that it is and just to maybe pick up a few pieces, just for that, just for that push, that, that competition in practice, to push because we want the best product on the field. It doesn't matter what your last name says on the back. It's how can you play your position that you are hired to play. Don't matter who it is. Play it. You get in there, play it. And, and another thing I want to say to everybody is, man, you know, it's, it, it, it's getting closer, man. Football, we all know it's getting closer. We're all getting more itchy fingers, man. It's, it's nice to hear everyone chime in. I don't, I don't get to listen a lot at work, man. I got, I'm on work, and you can't hear the radio. The machines are loud, so it, it's kind of it's frustrating. I can't listen. I always got to listen to the podcast. And it always seems like it's a lot faster. Like, he kind of speeds it up a little bit when he downloads the podcast. But I just want to say what's up to everyone you know. Just win Wendy, 211, Fargo Raider, El Paso Raider, you know, Hugh DeMond, Wangster Raider, just all my guys out there, man. Raider Nation for life. Let's go! Thank you so much, Passionate Raider. Fired up right there and uh, giving some props to Andre James. And, you know, Andre James did step up and did a lot better. And I remember those early snaps uh, early against Baltimore when he was snapping them really high and Derek Carr had to continue to jump and get the ball. And I kept saying, I remember sitting in the press box, I believe I was sitting next to Clay Baker, and I kept saying, man, that snap's got to come down. That snap's got to come down. And a couple times it went over Carr's head. And so uh, Andre, you know, he, he grew up fast too. You know, he was thrown into the fire. It's like, hey, uh, get it done, and he found a way to get it done, and him, just like the rest of the team, improved throughout the course of the, the year. And, again, I hate to keep beating the same drum, but you've got to go back and give all those guys in that locker room so much props because they continue to get better and continue to grow, even though they had nothing but adversity going on off the field and in that locker room. Man, what a what a tough time to just say, hey, we're going to keep fighting and keep grinding and try to get better when they could have just you know tucked their tail in between their legs and said, yeah, we'll do this again next year. We'll see it's a, if the environment's a little bit better next year. Let's get one quick call in. Gangster Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's happening? Hey, first of all, I say uh, we go and sign Darren, White, Darren Waller right off because I think he's going to have an amazing year. I think he's going to have at least 17 touchdowns. I think he's going to score at least a touchdown a game. And no matter I don't know how many yards he's going to have, but I know he's going to have at least 17 touchdowns, at least one per game. And so that's going to make his price go dramatically high. So I say we get him now on the cheap, lock him up, and then we'll have Devontae locked up. We'll have Renfro locked up. We'll have Waller locked up and Carr locked up. And I think with them, with that core, we can win multiple Super Bowls. And also as far as Perriman, as far as Perriman goes, as far as Perriman goes, I say we sign him, um, but we sign him to an incentive laden contract. Like he got to play at least 10 or more full games for him to get the full um, maximum amount of the contract. You know what I'm saying? And also as far as the Hall of Fame thing, yeah, I need suggestions on where to go and also where to stay because I heard about your um, nightmare last year huh. and I was getting ready to pick somewhere to stay last year online. I said, wait a minute. Q had an experience and these, these pictures look absolutely fabulous online. So I need, um, Places to go, reputable place to stay, because I got my tickets and my flights and everything, but I, I'm, my lodging is up in the air, and I don't want to end up like you ended up last year. And also, how come we don't have no uh, deal with Allegiant Airlines, since they are an airline, and we go, so now we're going to go to Canton. We went last year, we went this year, like we might be going next year, and hopefully year after that for Jim Plunkett, we should have some kind of deal set up with Allegiant Stadium for a Hall of Fame special for us Raider fans, because look like we're going to keep going back to back to back. We went last year with this year, might go next year for Trash and the other two, and I think maybe after that, we might even be going for Jim Pluckett. You know what I'm saying? And also, what you think about my idea of bringing in KO 
to um bring play right guard in school um Leatherwood. Imagine that right side, Leatherwood to tackle and KO at guard, and he can do like Incognito did for Miller. What y'all think about that? And also Red Nation, get ready for an epic season that's going down. We went through the desert, we back. We are our precipice to um, greatness has returned. You know what I'm saying? We back to the greatness, and it's finna be on. Don't worry about nothing. Stick your chest out and bang on everybody. You know what I'm saying? Keep a gangster, y'all. I'm gone. There he goes, Gangster Raider. Thank you for the call, man. Loaded call right there. I don't have time to address everything, but I will after we talk to Mike K. He's from Pro Football Network. He's coming up next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Question we've been throwing out there to you on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Would you give a, who would you give a contract extension to, Darren Waller? Denzel Perriman, both or neither. 69187, keyword R&R. Keep those responses coming. Right now, we have on the phone lines, blessed to have Mike K, lead reporter from Pro Football Network, at Mike underscore E underscore K, and that's K-A-Y-E on Twitter. And, Mike, thanks for your time this afternoon. We appreciate you. I was reading your piece that you put out there on Pro Football Network about safety Jesse Bates from the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's been a lot of Raider Nation that have said, hey, man, maybe the Raiders and the new regime should look towards Cincinnati to go try to get that guy that – Wants a contract extension, can't get it because he didn't sign his franchise tag and didn't get a deal, a long-term deal done before the deadline. And you put out a piece that it's not going to be so easy to just go out and trade for uh, Jesse Bates. What, in your opinion, is the biggest hang-up as far as a, a potential trade for Bates? Well, I think Cincinnati has proven over the years that they stand firm when they put their foot in the ground and say, look, we're not going to waver to a player's demands. I mean, you guys are... Very familiar with that in Raiders Nation. <laughs> Obviously, they, they ran out the clock with Carson Palmer. Yeah. Him. So uh, I think from their perspective, from a value perspective, it, it, it's really difficult because you're trading for a guy on a one-year deal who you can't guarantee that he will re-sign the next year. Yeah, you could franchise tag him the next year after that, but I think if Bates is smart and plays this properly, he's going to ask, since you can rework the one-year deal to say, hey, like Jadavian Clowney, I don't want to be franchise tag next year. And then that puts even more of a more of a bind on what you're trying to do. That's not really what smart GMs do. They want guarantees. When you trade an asset for a guy, you want to be able to lock him up long-term. And if you can't, what are you willing to give up for a one-year rental? And would the bank will actually want that low asset potentially in their opinion. Right, and you mentioned Jadavion Clowney, and he went for, what, a couple players and I think, what, a third-round pick, and that was in 2019 when he got traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and, and you're basically saying that you don't even think Cincinnati would be willing to give Bates up for that kind of uh, compensation, right? Well, and why would you? I mean, right. he's probably one of the top three most valuable players on that Super Bowl-run team for the Bengals in an unreal postseason. Um, and look, there's a reason why a lot of people in Raiders Nation want him to upgrade either Trevon Moreg or Jonathan Abram, a former first-round pick. I mean, he's a guy who, on on his best day, is a top-five, top-ten safety in the league. He can play strong. He can play free. Uh, he's got ten interceptions over four years. He's got over 30 pass breakups during that time as well. And the Raiders, look, they have $17.5 million. They can easily fit his $12.9 million franchise tag under the cap. Uh but I don't think it'll stay at that number. I think if he has moved, you're probably going to have to 
in the pot, along with potentially, you know, uh, taking away the option of the, of the franchise tag the next year, and then potentially adding a couple of million to the, the deal, because it sounds like he didn't really like the Bengals' long-term contract offers because they were really just 2022 heavy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's going to want something that's pretty substantial. And I think if you're a team trading for him, right now he has no leverage. He can put pen to paper or he can sit out. That's really all he can do. But the second the Bengals trade him, the pendulum swings. And the team that's trading for him has now traded an asset, now has him on a franchise tag, doesn't want to have egg on their face by trading a legitimate asset for a one-year rental. He knows that. His agent knows that. What type of leverage is he going to have next year when he wanted a market-setting contract this year already? Right. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's a it's a good it's a good issue. It's a good it's a good problem to have if you're if you're Bates right now. But as you said, uh, once some trades happen and everything, it's 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 really kind of complicated. So uh, as far as how close they came, did, do you know how close that they came to to working out a deal, or was or were they really far away? It seemed like they were far away on guarantees on length on what they really wanted. I mean, you know, I, I think the Bengals are a team that has shown that they're willing to pay certain guys. And look, I, I don't think Jesse Bates had the best regular season possible. I think a lot of his, the shine that's gone on him has been because he had an unreal playoff run. Mm-hmm. But I think the Bengals are a team that picks and chooses who they want to resign. And clearly safety is a position that they value less than corner, less than defensive end and less than defensive tackle, and so does most of the league. And I think that's why you're seeing them stand pat, because, look, Jesse Bates is a terrific safety. He's also still a safety. Right. And I think there's a positional value standpoint here. There's a regular season versus who is the real guy sort of thing. I mean, he's been consistently good, but I don't think he had the greatest regular season last year. So, they're trying to stand firm. They typically don't blink unless it's the very last minute, and they're going to want value if they do blink. Right. So I, I think it's a difficult decision for any team trying to acquire Bates to make, as well as the Bengals. Talking right now with Mike Kay from Pro Football Network here on uh, Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Let me ask you this, Mike, because if they hold out similar to what the Texans did with Clowney and not trade him until, if they do trade him, in fact, but if they wait until the very end, you know, right before the season starts out, how difficult will that be for him to get acclimated to whatever team were to make a move for him? And, and that could kind of slow slow his, uh, his, his learning curve down a little bit. Well, it's not only a new defense for him, it's going to be a new defense for all of his teammates as well. So it's not like he can lean on a guy who's been there for four years, in the system for four years. This is a completely new team. It's a new coaching staff. There's a lot of changes. There have been a lot of roster moves. And, you know, Jesse Bates would have to learn on the fly. I mean, right. I, and I think if you look at what happened with that cloudy situation in Seattle, sure, they made the playoffs. They won the opening round against, the Eagles after Carson Wentz suffered a concussion. But they weren't that much better because of Clowney. And then Clowney, in turn, uh, basically screwed them out of getting a draft pick in the compensatory form because he waited until, like, like September to sign with the Browns. Or, excuse me, the Titans. Right. So, like, that's another thing, too, you've got to consider. If you're trading for this guy and giving up a premium asset, and then you think, well, you know, if he doesn't re-sign with us, then we can still get a comp pick. Well, if Jesse Bates holds out 
as long as Clowney did and turns himself into like a hired gun every every single city he goes to just to maximize his value, well, then you don't get the comp pick either. And so I think uh, I, I think there's a lot of risk here. Not to say that he's not worth the risk, but there's a lot of risk here if you're the Raiders, especially with a, a rookie GM. Yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. I mean, the way you break it down, uh, yeah, you, you definitely don't want to give up assets and then all of a sudden be left high and dry and not have the player, especially after a season, you know, and just kind of, like you said, be a hired gun like Jadavion Clowney was. Do you have any idea what uh, what kind of compensation like he's looking for, like how, how high he wants to be paid as far as, uh, you know, the highest safeties in the league? Well, it sounds like he wants to kind of get close to the Marcus Williams contract, which was – a barn burner. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was in like the seventeen million range. It's like he he wants record or close to you know market setting money, and I think he is he worth it? Absolutely. Right. But right now he's stuck on a one year deal. Are you just are you going to give him a raise on top of his franchise tag for right. that? Right. Um, and then here's the thing too, also to consider. Let's say they get off to a sluggish start off the bat, or Josh McDaniels repeats what he did in Denver and and it, I mean I think he's definitely matured from that but it, right. let's say you know the locker room doesn't say what McDaniels is doing and he doesn't like being there well now you've given up a premium asset for the future and he doesn't want to be there the next year you don't have him under contract you right. probably won't be able to get the IU for him if you franchise tag him he'll probably just pull the same thing that he did with the Bengals I mean it's there's a lot of like you know, twists and turns that this can take if you trade for a guy that's in the situation who, again, is extremely valuable, extremely talented, but you're risking a lot. Yeah, no, you are. It, it sounds like it's something that's definitely not uh, worth the risk. I mean, it sounds like the reward's not worth the risk because there's still too many unknowns at the back end of it. But final question for you, Mike, and I do appreciate you. Uh, do you think that Jesse would be one of those guys that uh, basically holds out and doesn't sign it going into the season until that one week that he has to to be able to get credit for a season? Do you think that would be a, a scenario for for Jesse? I mean, he's 25, so I think he can afford to wait and afford to take the risk. I mean, there's definitely that. And, you know, it, it clicked in my brain as we were just, you know, we were going through the, the last question, but I, I think playing in the in the Raiders' favor is, if you remember, when, when McDaniels went to Denver, the first thing he did was sign Brian Dawkins. He clearly right. values the safety position, so I think... When, when you look at the way, and I mean, look, the Patriots value the safety position as well. So I think there's that as well. Um, but if, if it gets to the point where he's holding out of the season, I could see trade winds blowing. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It, it really will be. But a heck of a season and, and, well, especially a heck of a playoff run that Jesse Bates had for Cincinnati as they went, made their way to the Super Bowl, eventually lost, but made their way to the Super Bowl, and he was a, a big reason why. Mike, thank you so much for your time. You got anything coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going on a, a Pro Football Network tour of camps. If you're a football fan in general, we're hitting about 24 different camps. Uh, we have what's called PFN Pass. We've got a great preview on the Raiders there. Um, and we'll have some stories on Josh McDaniels down the road. Nice. I like it. Well, thank you so much for your time, my man. I do appreciate you, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for having me. No doubt about it. There he goes, Mike K, Pro Football Network. He's the lead reporter right there talking all things Jesse Bates. And, Damon, I have to admit, I, uh, I, I kind of blew that one. <laughs>
I I blew that one because I uh, I actually misread Jesse Bates in his stats. I for some dumb reason thought he had ten picks last season. He had ten picks the last four seasons total. So my bad. Every once in a while, you know, I'll uh, I'll I'll read something incorrectly. So I just wanted to go ahead and point that out that that was uh that was my my misdirection and my my failures on that part. So my fault. You know what? At the end of the day, we just need to do what they do on PTI and just come back. And maybe just like the last two minutes, this is what's something that we messed up on. <laughs> because I also went to look at it when I was just like, all right, let me, like during the commercial break, it was the same thing with me and AJ Cole in the baseball basketball. I was yep. like, I'm just not going to say anything. But I yep. noticed that too. That was his career total on yeah. interceptions. Right. That, like I said, my fault, my fault. But I don't, I don't have any problem going ahead and ponying it up because I don't want to hype up someone that don't deserve the hype. And, you know, hey, 10 interceptions in four years, that's all right. That's all right, but he did have a heck of a playoff run. I'll give him that. He did have a heck of a playoff run, and I know that there are plenty of uh, teams out there that are looking and paying attention to what's going on in Cincinnati, but uh, I messed up on that one. That was my fault. 344 is the time. Sometimes it happens, but we'd love to hear from you. Got plenty of text to get to on the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 347 is the time. Earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, we had a chance to talk to Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Denzel Perryman, John Simpson. We've already heard from John Simpson here on the show today. Uh, we will hear from Max Crosby in just a little bit coming up in the next hour. We'll try to get uh, Hunter Renfro in as well. But right now we got some uh, very patient uh, callers on the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's start out with our guy, Slow Jams James. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. What's going on with you? How you doing? Hey, man, I'm blessed. How are you doing today? I am living the dream, good sir. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> Even though Denzel Perryman has one year left on his deal and Waller still has two, I think it's more important that we get Waller locked up. Um, and it doesn't have to be for a long-term a long term deal in case you do want to have that flexibility. I would say if it were me, I would, I would extend him two years, bring that average up to somewhere definitely above David Njoku's salary, <laughs> but, not, but not quite where Travis Kelsey's at. Somewhere in that happy happy medium, like maybe fourteen five, fourteen seven, and and get him his guaranteed money. And then I think we've got some patience with Perryman because once we get down to like the final fifty three, and you got cuts, and you've got trades and releases and all that stuff, more money will free up, and you can probably extend Perryman before the season starts uh, for maybe another year or two. So I would definitely go Waller first as a priority. Plus, I mean, you got to reward the guy for what he's done for this organization. And, and everything that, that he's done for the community. I, I would love to get Waller done first, and then closer to the start of the season, if the money is there, go and take care of Perryman after. But I definitely want to sign them both. There you go. I like it. Slow Jam James, thank you for the call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. And, I mean, it makes sense, but at the end of the day, we know that all the good, warm, and fuzzy feelings are just that, warm and fuzzy feelings. We know that the NFL is a business. We know that these guys, and to their credit, this new regime, not saying that they don't care about these players, 
they don't have attachments to a lot of these guys, right? These are not their guys. I mean, everything that Darren Waller's done for the organization, he didn't do for Dave Ziegler. He didn't do for Josh McDaniels. He didn't do for Champ Kelly. You know what I mean? Now, he did a lot for himself, and he's meant a lot to the Raiders organization. You're absolutely right. And, of course, he's done a lot in this community. Uh, I think Darren Waller is awesome. I love his story. I love the player that he is, uh, you know, his humility, everything. He's just a real good dude. But, uh, you know, it's, it's always business at the end of the day when it comes to the NFL. So that's why this is an intriguing question. It's, a, it's like one of those situations, you know, because that, that, this, this team in this front office could easily say, hey, man, you got two years left on your deal. You got two years. Yeah, we know there's no guaranteed money, but oh, you got two years left on your deal. They could play it that way. I don't think that they're going to, but they very well could. Uh, let's hear from Raider Mac. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show, my man. Hey, hey, Q. Hey, my. How you guys doing? Yeah, we're man, blessed, like man. The best, today is the best day. Man, I love it. just the smell of the new grass for the <laughs> NFL season, college football, high school. I mean, all of football. Starts uh, started today. Yep. Hey, um, I got a couple of things going. First thing, uh, what is uh, Demar- he's wearing a, a Raider outfit? Yeah, he's got. Yeah, see, I'm glad you caught that. I let it slide because I'm used to seeing it, but I'm glad you caught that. Yeah, he he did. Uh, he was working for the Raiders last year during the regular season, media relations. So he has a Raider polo that he conveniently wears every once in a while when he's trying to, you know, make himself feel. Uh, Feel feel positive amongst Raider Nation. Nation. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's the thing. I'm a Raider fan. I, I have never, I've been a Raider fan over 30, 40 years. I've never worn another team's jersey and never will. I mean, that's just me. I I, I, I just never want to wear nobody else's. Once I'm committed to my team, I ain't wear, I mean, work, that's different. I know you have to work and wear the Raider stuff, but once you. Once you once once you don't have to wear it, you shouldn't be wearing that, man. I, I, I'm kind of you lost points on me. He's but, a he's well, a closet Raider fan. He just hasn't oh, come all the way out yet. Okay, okay, all right, that's okay. Hey, a couple of things. First thing is a wallet. That's a no brainer. You can't let talent go. We we didn't let a lot of talent go through. Just like every organization, you you don't want to sign a guy because you're just like. Green Bay. There's no way nobody thought Devontae Adams was going to come to the Raiders. So you got to sign your talent. The NFL. That's why I love the, love talking about the Rams sometimes because they they sign everybody. I mean, it's not. And the, the big thing, what I'm saying is, is that you can't let talent go through the door because you're not you're, you're not getting nobody. You're not getting nobody in that draft in five years or whatever years that's going to be as talented as uh, as Wallace. So, and my last thing is this, Q. I don't know where you where you saw these reports, but I haven't seen anybody. Today was one of the days that all these experts were picking teams. Uh, I think eighty eight percent of the the, the, the um, experts pick us fourth in the, and most of them don't even have us making the playoffs after they got the Chargers. And the Broncos, I saw, what's his name, Colin Kurt? Yeah, yep, uh, Colin, Colin, I don't even listen to that clown. But he said that the Raiders are finishing fourth and Denver's finishing fourth. Denver don't have anything. They have Russell Wilson, but you need more than a quarterback to win. And I'll let you go on that. Tell me what you think, why are we getting this kind of treatment? And we always been getting it, but why now? 
All right, and thank you for the call. And no, I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that are picking the Raiders to either win the division or make the playoffs. Now, there's obviously going to be folks out there that aren't going to that aren't going to pick them. But I mean, you know, it's I think honestly, and and matter of fact, we have something from uh, Adam Shine. We'll play in the next hour as well. Uh, there's 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 folks out there that are showing love. That's why I continue to try to bring it to the table. We just had uh, Adam Rank on our show uh, just what last week from NFL Network, and he's talking about the Raiders not only winning the division, he thinks they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Rich Eisen, who comes on before the JT the Brick show, he's been giving a lot of love to to the Raiders and double down today. He has them going twelve and five. I mean, look, that's exactly why I keep bringing it to the table because I do want everyone to. Know know that there are folks out there that are showing the Raiders love. Of course, there's always going to be those that doubt them, but there's still some out there that are showing a lot of love and think that the team that they have has a lot of potential. Uh, do we, we got time for one more, Damon? All right, who is it up next? Maurice, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing, Q? How you doing, fellas? This Good. is my first time calling. I'm very excited about calling, especially, but I'm always listening. But I had a quick question. Because uh, I'm, I'm always been optimistic about things, so we always, I always hear people talk about the three-headed drag, you know, three-headed monster that we got with Waller, Renfro, and, and, and Devontae. But I'm thinking, uh, why don't we have a four-headed monster? I mean, we got other wide receivers. I mean, we got uh, Demarcus Robinson. He ain't no slouch. You got Keelan Cole. He's been on the team before, and then there's a couple other guys that have been other players for other teams, but. Hey, once you get in the league, man, if you can play, you can play. Right. I was just wondering right. why we never hear. I'd never meet me personally. You know, I listen to sports radio all day, uh, driving and such. But it's like why I never hear anyone say about, oh, well, since we signed to Marcus Robinson, he's got speed, he's got hands, quickness. You know, so you got, man, you, you really got four. Right. Thank you for the call. And the thing is, I don't think anyone's talking about the four because I don't think anyone knows who the fourth is yet. At least for me, you know, and we had Harry Douglas on from ESPN uh, National, and he, he's also been an NFL wide receiver for many years. He brought up to Marcus Robinson. He brought him up on his own and said, hey, watch out for him. He's done some really good things with Kansas City. And I agree 100%, but we don't know who that guy is going to be. That's been one of the big questions that we've had this offseason. Is it going to be Robinson? Is it going to be Cole? Is it going to be Hollins? Is it going to be other, right? I mean, there's so many different options out there. So that's why I haven't brought up. That, that guy or those guys because we don't know who it is. Uh, I think that's going to be a good battle that we'll see during training camp, but that was, that's the main reason for me. Uh, you know, it could always be something else for someone else, but for me, that's the reason why I'm not talking about who that person is or considering it a four-headed monster because I don't know who that fourth is. I just know that there's guys out there that we all expect can get, get it done. Hell, we, we, we saw people reporting that maybe the Raiders should go try to make a move for Odell Beckham. And I don't think that that was something that was realistic because, well, he's injured. And he's not going to be ready, in my opinion, until late in the, in the season, if not the postseason. So, I, uh, you know, I don't think that that would be a good move. But very easily, one of those guys that you mentioned could end up being a, a big-time player. The question is, who is it going to be? So uh, that's, that's the reason why I haven't brought him up. But thank you so much for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. 3.56 is the time. We'll come back, get some more calls and texts. Plus, want to play a little ESPYs since the ESPYs are on tonight on, on ESPN. But we're going to do it from a Raider point of view. What do I mean by that? I'll explain it coming up in the next hour. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.